Welcome to the Data Savvy Teacher Podcast. My name is Alicia Parker and I'll be your host. This podcast is for anyone who has a role in education and wants to learn how to improve their data using skills. As an educator, you're probably also a lifelong learner. So thanks for making this podcast part of your personal growth. And if you enjoy what you hear, please give it a rating on iTunes or share it with others. This helps more listeners like you find this resource as well. All right, let's get started with today's content. This is our final episode in our mini series on writing good assessment items. Today, we are gonna be talking about developing and using rubrics. In our last episode, we discussed creating assessment items that are written responses. And I suggested that the best way to assess these items is through the use of a rubric. Creating a rubric at the same time as creating the assessment item will help make sure you ask what you intend to ask. Now there are two types of rubrics you can create, either holistic or analytical. I'm gonna focus on analytical first. In an analytical rubric, you're looking for specific content and rating it on some continuum of quality. So imagine you've developed a task where you have your students create an Instagram post by a soldier in Washington's army as they prepare to cross the Delaware River. You ask your students to find a relevant photo and for the post to include three facts about the current conditions and what the soldier might have predicted would happen when they landed. The students also have to create at least one hashtag that would have been historically relevant. So this task is a written response, but it also has some creativity to it and incorporates a bit of their modern social media world. Now, if you were to create a rubric for this assignment, you might first create a table in your word processing software. And most people use Microsoft Word for this. You could easily insert a table with a few columns and rows. The first column would have a few criteria listed. Things like photograph, post language, and hashtag. And your column headers could be the number of points you're going to assign based on the quality of work. So you could give a four, three, two, or one, or just a three, two, or one, or maybe you include a zero if the task is missing a component. It's really up to you. But I typically advise no more than four points per criteria. And honestly, I prefer three. Because now you have to decide what distinguishes the student work from being a four, three, two, or one, or a three, two, or one, or a two, one, or zero, or whatever you've chosen. Now, what is the best outcome of the student producing a photograph for this and earning top points. What would give them three points? What would give them two points? What about one or zero? So decide how you would describe what the photograph would look like. Then you do the same for the content and then the hashtag. And the criteria should be specific enough to reduce as much judgment as possible. If you have as your top criteria earning full points, the student chose an excellent photo. And then the next level down is the student chose a good photo. What's gonna be the basis for determining something that is good versus excellent? Developing a rubric might make you realize that your directions need clarity, or you might decide to reduce your rubric point values to two, one, and zero, or just two and one. Rubric development and implementation takes some practice. So if this is a new concept for you, try it out on some tasks that are low risk. And what I mean by that is don't create and use your first rubric on a big assignment for students. If it's a bust, 
you don't want to have to scramble to figure out how to mitigate negative impacts for the students in their grades. The other main category of rubrics is a holistic rubric. This is much more often used in English language arts class or as a general performance rubric. A holistic rubric can be applied to more than one assessment. So for example, an English language arts teacher might develop a writing rubric that looks for thesis development, supporting evidence, sentence structure, and spelling. And they could use that same rubric on 10 different writing assessments throughout the year. The same goes for an art, music, or dance teacher. They could develop a rubric to evaluate student work or student performances throughout the entire course. The student could produce five different pieces of art or perform six different routines, and the same rubric could be used for all of them. So if you're ready to take on creating rubrics, I'd like to share a few tips for success with you. Remember, a rubric is going to give you data. And if you want high quality data, you've got to have high quality assessments. So tip number one is that when developing a rubric, you will need to use clear and parallel language to differentiate between quality descriptors. For your lowest point value, you might use the language does not meet. Then for your next point value, you use the language partially meets. And then meets. And then finally, for the most points you could award, you might say exceeds. If it's a writing sample, you might use a continuum of descriptors such as the writing is poorly organized, the writing is somewhat organized, the writing is well organized. You might even add a fourth category that says the writing is highly organized if you feel there is a differentiation between the top two categories. I tend to use only three categories myself, but that's the beauty of rubrics. You can adapt them to your style, your subject, and your student's grade level. Tip number two is to always grade a few student submissions and determine if perhaps the rubric needs to be adjusted before just applying it to all of the student's work. Sometimes we think we've instructed a certain amount or a certain way, and we find out when we evaluate the student's work that we missed the mark in providing clear instructions to our students. At that point, adjust the rubric a bit and determine a plan for reteaching. And finally, tip number three, plan ahead of time for how your rubric will translate into a gradebook score. Most gradebooks are built on a 0 to 100 scale with cutoffs like 90, 80, 70, 60 to determine A, B, C, D. If your rubric has 12 total points because you have three level descriptors and four categories, you want to make sure you can translate the score to a gradebook. Getting three points off on that rubric would be a 9 out of 12, which in straight percentages is a 75%. So you have to ask yourself if a student misses three, on that particular rubric, does that mean a 75% correctly summarizes their understanding? If not, you can adjust your rubric outcomes. Maybe a score of 10 to 12 points is an A, and a score of 9 points is a B, and a score of 8 is a C, and so on. You need to take the time to think about translating the rubric score to a gradebook score. So those are my three tips for using rubrics successfully. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Data Savvy Teacher Podcast. Tune in next time for more data savvy tips. And remember, a rating on iTunes gets this podcast seen by more listeners like you. 
So if you like what you hear, feel free to leave a review or share this with a friend. And as always, may the data be ever in your favor.